Turn in the word of the Lord with me, if you would, to John chapter 19. I'm going to be reading from John, the gospel of John, chapter 19, and then Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read to you from the word of the Lord, the actual event that happened, and then I want to read to you from the letter of, of uh, the apostle Paul to the Ephesians, uh, exactly what, what they interpreted that as. John, John chapter 19 and verse 28 in the New King James Version, uh, just gives us a glimpse right into the middle of the scene where Jesus is being crucified. And verse 28 says that after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, he's hanging on the cross, he's, he's, about, to, he's about to die, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, I want to quickly turn your attention to this passage of scripture that gives us some, some of the implications for the event that we just read about from John chapter eight, uh, 19. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8 in the New who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished. He accomplished it in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. I believe that we have an access today into the throne room of heaven. And it doesn't matter what you came in dealing with in your world today. If it's something going on in your life or if you need your sins to be forgiven and washed away. We have that kind of access in this place today. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands together unto the Lord and give him praise. Lord, I magnify you. Lord, I pray over us right now. Lord, that you would open up our hearing and our understanding. Lord, I pray that there would be a spirit of revelation that would sweep through this place today. That every eye would be opened and that every ear would be unstopped. And that there would be a spiritual work that would accompany the ministry of your word today. And Lord, we will give you all of the praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to minister from those texts the word of the Lord that simply says this. This is just the beginning. As you're being seated, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, this is just the beginning. Jesus said in John chapter 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Jesus was just getting started when he went to Calvary and died on the cross for your sins. When Jesus said the words, it is finished, he was just getting started. It was only the beginning because he did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. 
Come on, I hope you've come to worship and praise today because we serve a risen Lord and he's here today. He's alive. He's still touching lives. He's still delivering those who are addicted. He's still forgiving those who are sinful. He's here today and he's not finished. That was just the beginning. I've come to preach today about a king and his kingdom. We don't serve a God who's made with men's hands. He is all-powerful. He's not manufactured. He is not a myth. He is not a legend. He is not just a compilation of good historical documents. He is alive. He is the living God. And he is seated at the right hand of God right now. And he has all power and all authority. Somebody get with me this morning and understand that we don't serve a God that was manufactured and made out of metal or wood. But he was made in the beginning. Long before we all began, God said in the beginning was the word. He had a plan, and God manifested himself in flesh. There's no dysfunction so great that he can't fix it. There's no sin that's too deep that he can't forgive it. There's no warped way of thinking that God can't straighten out today. The one I'm talking about today is named Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. I don't want to take for granted that there's understanding already in the room today. One of the core and central beliefs of our faith is that God manifested himself. The God who created the universe, the invisible God, manifested himself in human flesh to become our Savior. And he died a human death. He lived a perfect life, but he died a human death at the hands of the Romans and the Jews. And then when they put him in that burial tomb, they buried him. And three days later, he did what no one else had ever done before. He rose from the dead. But it wasn't just a rising from the dead. And then eventually, the course of years caught up to him and he passed away. But he rose from the dead in a glorified body, unlike anything else that had ever happened in human history. Brothers and sisters, he's not just a good teacher. And he's not just a philosopher. And he's not just a prophet. But he is the living God incarnate. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. He is the very creator of the universe who manifested himself in human flesh. So we call him son, but we also call him father. He says, I and my father are one. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He himself became the perfect sacrifice for sin for the whole world. And because of that, we also call him Messiah. We call him Savior. We call him the, own, the one who can do what I couldn't do on my own. The furry and hung on that cross and died and was buried for my sin. My sins needed to be dealt with. And the God of the universe, the very creator God, came down in human flesh and did it for you. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that he is the radiance. He is the very radiance of the glory of God. And Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He said, it is finished. What is it? What is, Jesus said, it is finished. What is it? 
it was the plan of God that was set in motion at the beginning. A plan to redeem a broken humanity from the condemnation and the corruption of sin and the agony of eternal death. I already quoted it in your hearing, but the Gospel of John opens up and says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God always has a plan. You may feel like your life is in chaos this morning, but I want to assure you that God has a plan. Humanity was bound in sin and strayed far away from the original design of God's creation. Sin brought on a curse. It was a curse of death. Death was not originally part of the human experience, but once sin entered the picture, there was a curse of death that was enacted. And without a Savior, every person that's ever walked the face of the earth from that time is positioned to experience eternal death. But when Jesus died on that cross and he said those words, it is finished. Jesus was breaking the curse of death over humanity. Jesus is a perfect, sinless human being. It's so fundamental, we have to understand it. He was like us in many ways, but he was without sin. He never broke covenant with God. He never transgressed against the law of God. He never fell short of God's expectations for his life. Jesus is a perfect human being with no sin. And when the perfect human being died on that cross at Calvary, he knew that he could not remain in the grave. I've come this morning to hopefully give you a vision of what God has done for you. The prophet Jeremiah chapter 23 says, Behold, the days are coming. This is a prophecy about things that were still yet to come. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Paul wrote to Timothy and said this, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. The Gospel of John says it this way, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Once you get a revelation of what God has done for you, there's no way to sit still and be just complacent about it. You get to sell out to it. You've got to respond in faith when you get a full revelation of the condition that you were in and what God did for you. He didn't send an intermediary. He didn't send a messenger, but he himself was manifest in the flesh and did it all and paid it all for you. What the adversary must have seen as an admission of defeat when Jesus said, it is finished. Heaven heard as an anthem of victory. Instead of hearing that it was defeat and that all was lost and that the adversary had won, heaven heard those words when heaven heard Jesus say, it is finished. Heaven heard it as an anthem of victory. And I just believe there was a choir of angels that started to say, he has done it. He's done it. 
Look what he's done. I think there were some angels that started to sing Psalm 111 and says, He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Somebody shout that name right now. That name is higher than every other name. And when Jesus said, it is finished, heaven rejoiced and already knew that this is just the beginning. Three days later when Jesus came out of that tomb, I believe the adversary trembled when he found out what heaven already knew. Satan and every demon must have shrieked when they realized what had happened. There must have been wailing as they recognized that this was just the beginning. He's done it. He's done it. He's done it. He's done it. I don't care what you're dealing with today. It doesn't matter what you walked in with today. He's done it. It doesn't matter how bound up you are today or how dysfunctional your life may seem. He's done it. He's already won the victory. You need to respond in faith today and be born again of the water and of the spirit and just see what the Lord will do in your life. I wish you'd clap your hands unto God and shout unto him with a voice of triumph right now because the words of that victory anthem need to be in our heart. He has done it. He's done it. It's not just a relic of history, but it's living and alive today. He's done it. What I'm preaching about this morning, what I'm preaching about right now is what's going to take your worldview from black and white to living color. You feel like you've just been going through the motions. You feel like your life is just caught in a current, in a drift of this world. This message that I'm preaching about, this king and his kingdom that I'm ministering to you from the word of the Lord today is what will take your life from just being adrift and give it purpose. It will elevate your understanding. The resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth amounts to a total revolution of thinking and lifestyle. Because he did what he did, nothing else can ever be the same. Because he has done it, I have to respond in faith to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, tells us that this message is a spiritual message. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit because they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What I'm preaching about this morning can be naturally heard, but it must be spiritually discerned. Here's what I want to do. Can you lift up your hands if you're comfortable with it? You, maybe you're not, but if you just bow your head, whatever you're comfortable doing. Can, you, can we just pray right now and say, Lord, whatever I've got in my mind today, whatever I've been operating in today, Lord, I pray that you would operate in the spirit in my life. Could you pray right now? Pray over yourself right now. If you want to understand this message, if you want to have the full revelation of who Jesus is, sometimes we have to get out of just naturally hearing and we have to step into spiritually discerning. Come on, right now in this place. Can we just pause for a minute? We're, this is spiritual right now. We're not going through the motions. It's not mechanical. It's not ritualistic. It's not just a tradition. It's spiritual. We need a spiritual move of the Holy Ghost in this place today. There needs to be things from this message and from the word of the Lord that are spiritually discerned in the room. 
The Apostle Paul wrote, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You need to shake off the blinders of the adversary today. You need to remove the complacency with worldliness and secular thinking. And you need to hear the call of the gospel today. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And live a life that is pleasing unto God. The cross is more than just an icon to reminisce about. It's more than just an icon to reminisce about. It's a symbol of the revolution that Jesus Christ is bringing about. It was just the beginning. It wasn't the end. It was just the starting point. It was just the place where we could look and we can say, I have hope. I'm going to live in hope. I'm going to walk in hope. I'm going to live different. I don't have to live the way that I have used to live. I don't have to talk the way that I used to talk. I don't have to dress the way that I used to dress. Come on right now, saints of God. You know what I'm talking about. If God's ever made a change in your life, if there's ever been chains broken off your life, you ought to be standing to your feet right now and saying God did it all he has done it he has done it he has done it the cross was just the beginning I've got the infilling of the Holy Ghost I'm able to walk in victory he has done it I've gone from living the way I used to live and I've got a brand new walk I've got a brand new talk I've got a brand new way of thinking I can process things differently Come on, the chains that you need broken, you're in the right place. It happens in the church. The healing that your family needs, it happens in the church. Come on, it doesn't happen through the internet screen. It doesn't happen through the TV or the radio. It happens in the church. I can't preach about Jesus without preaching about his church. You need a church that hasn't moved on doctrine. You need a church that isn't trying to look like all the mess in the world. If, uh, hear, hear me right now. Hear me right now. If you're sick and tired of seeing what's going on in the world and you don't want anything to do with it, brothers and sisters, you're not going to find any institution that's going to stand with you except the church. There's institutions and companies and places dropping off left and right, bowing the knee. And if you're looking for a, a group, a church, that will not bow the knee to secular culture and the wicked things going on in our world today, you need to be a part of a church. You need to be a part of the church of the living God. Not a dead church. Not a ritualistic church. But a church that has a living and active relationship with Jesus Christ. You need a church that's holy. You need a church that's sanctified. You need a church that's not, not ashamed to lift up their hands and to lay hands on you when your world's coming apart. You don't get to have Jesus and keep church optional. I'm reaching for someone's soul today. A loose association with Jesus is not going to save you. Your head knowledge of this message that I'm preaching is not enough to get you to heaven. It's going to take obedient faith. Born again of the water and of the spirit. I know. I know. 
I'm just going to back up and go at it again. A loose association with God is not going to make it. A cultural association, and a self-identification with Christ that exists in word only is not going to be sufficient. You got to respond in faith. You're going to have to live right. It, I'd go, I don't have time for a full-blown Bible study today, but if you need a Bible study about what I'm talking about and you need further explanation, I would sit down with you and I would turn you to James chapter 2, where it says that faith without works is dead. They cannot be separated. Some think that James was at odds with Paul and other parts of the Old Testament. I'm here to tell you that he was not. That it is every bit the message of the gospel that when God does a work in your life that you've got to say this is just the beginning and you've got to live a holy and sanctified and separated pleasing life unto God. I know. I know. I know. I know that's the last message that this world wants to hear. I know it's not popular today. I know it requires change. I know it takes consecration. I'm not making light of the sacrifice that's involved in what I'm preaching right now. But I'm here to tell you for the sake of your soul, for the sake of your family's soul, that faith without works is dead. And that you must respond in faith. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's the truth that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That's why I can't preach about Jesus without preaching about his church. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of If you're going to be a part of that kingdom, you've got to be baptized in the name of the king of that kingdom. If you're going to exercise the authority necessary to live a righteous and overcoming and victorious life, you're going to have to come against your troubles in the name of the king. His name is Jesus. And if you've never been baptized, let me tell you today that contrary to anything you may have heard, the Word of God says that water baptism is essential to salvation. It is not an accessory to your faith. It is the beginning of a relationship and a covenant with God. And if you've been baptized but you're not sure how it was done, you need to examine the Word of God. And you need to see that every time that someone was baptized, it was done in the name of Jesus. Your baptism is not just an accessory, it's not optional, but it is the biblical byproduct of your faith. The name of Jesus. It's powerful. Following after. When you are plunged into those waters of baptism, you are following the pattern that Jesus set when he was buried in the tomb. You are buried in those baptismal waters. And all that is old passes away. And then it's God's plan for you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and for all things in your life to become new in Jesus Christ. It's still real today. It's still real today. Because this message has prevailed through the eons of time. When Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't saying, I am finished. It was just the beginning. 
the musicians would join me and come to the platform, let me add a layer of prophetic significance to this message this morning. If you're familiar at all with the story of Jesus at Calvary and everything that he did as he atoned for our sins with the price of his own blood, you'll probably know that there was a time where Jesus, Jesus quoted the 22nd Psalm. He cried out from the cross and he said the words of Psalm 22 verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. Now it's entirely possible that Jesus only quoted the first few words of that psalm. But it's also very likely that Jesus said the entire thing. Because he started at the beginning. He started at the very first verse. And it's entirely possible that as Jesus hung there on the cross, he recited and quoted from memory. Psalm of David, Psalm 22. He said that first part that we're all so familiar with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want you to recognize with me, though, that that's not where the story ended. That when Jesus said it is finished, it was just the beginning. Because the psalm that I'm referring to, Psalm 22, while it may begin with those words, it ends with these. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. That he has done it. What has he done? I'm here to tell you today that he set me free. I'm here to tell you today that he's done it all. He broke the chains of bondage off of my life. He pulled me out of a deep pit. He did for me what I couldn't do on my own. He paid the price for it. He has done it. He has done it. It is finished. But this is just the beginning. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what he was doing when he instituted those blood sacrifices back in the Old Testament. And he gave them a pattern for how to sacrifice and atone for sin in their generation. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing whenever the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary. She conceived a child. He knew what he was doing when he rode into Jerusalem just a week before this on a donkey. And he knew what he was doing when he went to that garden to pray and would be arrested. And He knew what he was doing when he allowed himself to be hung that cross he knew exactly what he was saying when he said those words it is finished he knew that he was just getting started do you want to be a part of what God is doing in this end time hour do you want to be a part of something that's true and spiritually powerful don't you want to be a part of spending eternity be serving and worshiping the one whom I've preached about this morning I do. All three questions I can answer in the affirmative too. And I think that if you're at church on this Easter Sunday morning, I think you feel the same way. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to give you one final scripture to consider. And I want to encourage you to respond in faith today. What we typically do is we typically gather up here around the front. It's not out of order at all to find a place to kneel in prayer somewhere around the edges of the room or in your own seat. And it's absolutely in our custom to gather around the front just as a response 
of faith. And we're going to do that in just a moment. But before we do, I, I, I want to present to you one final scripture. And I want you to respond in faith and, and resolve to look into the matter further. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I've referred to it already this morning, but I, can't, I simply cannot get away from it. There are two types of eternities in store for humanity. Only two categories. Eternal life and eternal death. It's really hard for us in our finite minds to conceive of either of those. But it's even harder, it seems like, to us to conceive of eternal death. Eternal life is eternal relationship and connectedness with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we call it heaven, sometimes we call it the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth. But it represents a reality where there is direct communion for all of eternity between you and your creator. The other category is eternal death. Eternal death is everlasting separation from God. Scripture tells us that it's gonna be a place of torment where the worm dies not, the fire is not quenched place of eternal punishment. It's not created for human beings, but unless you decide to let God to break the curse over your life, the curse of sin and death, by the power of the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, every single human being is by default set up to enter into that eternal death. The only way you're going to inherit eternal life is by following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a new birth experience. And the capstone of it is receiving the gift of God's Spirit in your life. And you'll know that it's happened because you'll speak in a language that you've never learned before. It's that same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1 says that that Spirit in us is the guarantee of our salvation. It's like holding the ticket. It's like having the deed to an inheritance that we've yet to completely possess. But when we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're able to say, this is just the beginning. I've got something waiting for me on the other side, and I'm prepared to inherit it. Could you lift up your hands in this place right now all over this room? If you're here today and you need a new beginning, you're in the right place right now. If you're here today and you need to be delivered from bondage in your life, if you need God to just touch your life and you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost, these altars are open and I would that the saints of God, brothers and sisters, would you begin to move and create an atmosphere of response in faith. Come on, every spirit-filled person in this room, why don't you keep your hands lifted toward heaven or find a place to kneel in prayer, but whatever you're doing, make sure that you respond in faith. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, he was not saying that I am finished. He was saying, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And there's going to be people, he had his eye on you. He had his eye on you because he knew that there would be a day where he was going to need to step into your world, to step into your life. 
There was going to be brokenness. There was going to be sin. There was going to be dysfunction. There was going to be addiction. There was going to be turmoil and chaos and peace into it. He was going to speak to that disease and that affliction. And he was going to say, be healed. There was so much that Jesus was still going to do. And there's so much that he's continuing to do today. Let's keep our hands lifted right now. Let's stay in the presence of the Lord and say, God, I want you.